So what's the big problem with wealth creation? How do people like us, who didn't inherit a boatload of money, who are investing and building wealth from our own blood, sweat and tears, how do we invest in a way that gives us remarkable results and become financially free before retirement age? I don't know about you, but I am sick of hearing from wealth gurus and experts who don't walk their own talk and prescribe strategies that are a one-size-fits-all approach. For self-made people like you and me, I'm here to tell you that you don't need to be superhuman or already wealthy to reach financial freedom earlier than 65. This is the Alternative Investing Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. In today's episode, I want to lovingly tell you about smart, dumb investors. I think the essence of where I'm coming from here is often we think that being more educated insulates us against making mistakes with money. We also believe that if we have a higher income, then we will solve our money problems. And we also think that often if we give our kids or the people that we love a better start in life by stopping them from struggling, that we're doing the right thing. And actually what we're really most concerned about is making a mistake that has irreparable damage. But on the flip side, if we can actually start to recognize some of these really common pitfalls, then we can start focusing on the combination of wisdom and education to better protect ourselves against loss. We can focus on converting whatever income we have into wealth and certainly not agonizing about growing our income as much as we do. We can really start to orchestrate and identify the right lessons we want to impart to our kids and loved ones to help shape their character. Because ultimately, and you know, I've been saying this a lot most recently in podcasts, what we really want is much more ease around money and wealth building. So, where I want to start today's episode is with a quote. Now, it was Charlie Munger who is uh, notoriously described as one of the best investors of the last century, has said, it is remarkable how much long-term advantage people like us have gotten by trying to be consistently not stupid instead of being very intelligent. So, I'll say that again. It is remarkable how much long-term advantage people like us have by consistently not being stupid instead of trying to be very intelligent. Now, that may seem like a completely ridiculous comment. But having personally created a mountain of mistakes, I actually see now that most of my cuts and bruises happened because I made a dumb decision or I overlooked something really obvious. I guess the extension of this is sometimes um, what I've witnessed is the best outcomes flow to the investors who keep it simple, who don't agonize about the latest and greatest trends, but who look for sustainable returns and look for what could go wrong. So, I want to tell you a little bit of a story. About 15 years ago, there was a woman who lived in a really beautiful house in Melbourne. It would, by today's standards, be worth about three to four million. It even had a second dwelling at the rear, bringing in a nice little extra income. Uh, She had a reasonable lump sum in super that had been left behind by her deceased husband. The house was paid off and she was in a situation where she had a couple of investment properties delivering a reasonably solid passive income. Unfortunately, because she hadn't done much investing and her financial literacy wasn't amazing, her life had been somewhat easy, but had also given her a false sense of thinking that she was actually quite good at investing. She had on numerous occasions financially bailed out one of her children 
um, who'd also been notoriously bad at managing money. Unfortunately, uh, in recent times, she became involved with a developer, someone who really preyed on her lack of knowledge and innocence and who somehow managed to convince her to sell her house, purchase another house in a neighboring suburb as part of a line of houses that were going to be developed into units. Now, she couldn't really understand the numbers that were given to her in the feasibility, but she thought it was going to mean the difference between shifting from being comfortable comfortable to being filthy rich. And just as she got into the new home, she put herself immediately under the stress of quite a large mortgage. And within a really short space of time, the discover the developer, sorry, revealed that he was actually unlikely to go ahead because of run-ins with the council and problems with getting the development application through. The position that she found herself in was that she had no choice but to sell. And because the market had fallen, she realized a loss of about 400000 To make matters worse, she ended up buying another block within that line of houses so that she and her family could kind of, you know, free up a bit more money. And she herself ended up putting herself in the granny flat. To make matters even worse, to compound things, she allowed um, some of her kids to access whatever cash she had left in her retirement funds and sadly proceeded to see it dwindle to almost zero. So, the upshot of it all is that she ended up in a situation where she lost her home, she lost her savings, she lost her investment properties and went from being debt-free with multiple million-dollar assets with solid income to massively in debt and finances very much entangled with her children. So, the reason I am telling you this story is that I have seen countless examples of really smart people making dumb financial decisions, decisions that they can see in hindsight, but in the presence are completely clouded by greed and where all logic completely skeets out the window because we get dollar signs in our eyes and we all we can see is the profit that we could make. So, what I wanted to share with you today was what I believe to be seven of the most common dumb decisions made by smart people because I think if we can start to just wrap our heads around this sort of thinking, it could potentially save us from a lot of heartache in the future. So, the first one that I see people making is spending money on things that you don't need to impress people that you don't like. Now, this has become even more prevalent with the appearance of things like buy now, pay later, 24 months interest free. You know, the Harvey Normans and the domains of the world have really created essentially these in-store credit cards. And a lot of people, particularly young people trying to establish their home, will go out and buy, you know, the latest and greatest everything, TVs, furniture, and set themselves up to look like they have it sorted, but in actual fact have dug themselves a bit of a a grave. Now, if you're someone who is serious about investing, the first thing you need to have to understand is any form of credit really cripples your borrowing ability. And frankly, you know, this whole idea of buying assets to look good is one that I believe if you are serious again about being an investor and building wealth, you have to dispense of. 
The second one is using average assumptions in your retirement planning. Now, this is really talking, I guess, the other end of the spectrum, people who are maybe on the runway to um, retirement and they may go to some kind of wealth planner to say, well, what do I need to do to have X dollars in retirement? And all these assumptions are plugged into these calculators. They're based on some rule of thumb around how much you'll take out and how much growth you'll get. But essentially, you often miss the concept of stress testing. And the best example of that is anyone who, say, for example, right now is within five years of retirement and or retirement age, I should say, and maybe you were banking on having a certain lump sum of capital be part of your retirement funds. And suddenly, as a result of you know the world having the wheels come off, suddenly that balance has dwindled. Maybe the dividends aren't where they need to be. And suddenly, you don't have the luxury of time to make that back. And when you go back to thinking, well, how did I come up with those numbers in the first place? What you failed to do was actually challenge the assumptions in your retirement plan. You didn't stress test them and you certainly didn't diversify across asset classes um, and create multiple safety nets for yourself. So that's the second one is just not challenging the wisdom that a lot of people will put into their retirement planning. The third common mistake, uh, dumb decisions made by smart people is this concept of chasing yield or chasing returns. So what I'm talking about there is if you're a very inexperienced investor, what you will tend to do is you will talk about ROI, ROI, ROI. ROI just means return on investment. So if I put $100 into something and you tell me that in two years I'm going to get back 120 then I can calculate my ROI as being 20% of that $100 over two years. Now, the thing that is really important to understand with ROI is it's time-driven. And often what happens is people who are structuring deals or describing opportunities to you will kind of give you yield figures or income stream figures which focus on the wrong numbers. The best lay example of this that I've seen is in the buyer's agency space or the, the property space where someone will say to you, well, this has a gross yield of 5% and they'll present it like it's this epic deal. What they're not telling you is that, okay, the income before expenses is, you know, 5%, but after you take out interest rates, property management and all the stuff, really you're either at zero or negative returns. That happens as well in the commercial property space where buyers agents will tend to describe a return as a net return and net generally refers to after expenses. But really, again, they're still failing to take into consideration your interest expense, which frankly is the biggest expense when you purchase a commercial property. Unless, of course, you're purchasing in cash. So, the reason I'm bringing this up is it's very, very common for investors to just go straight to what is the yield as a percentage? What is the yield return? What is my ROI? And there are so many other qualitative factors that should be used to drive your decision-making around investment. You cannot make investment decisions purely off the back of a yield or return that's given to you on a piece of paper. The other part to that or the other dimension to that is having been in this space for a while now, I see how easy it is 
for people to manipulate those numbers. You know, a tweak here and a tweak there and suddenly, you know, something might be showing 5 to 7% return or 8% or 12%. And what we need to be really mindful of as investors is cultivating healthy skepticism around how these proformers or profit and loss projections or whatever you want to call them, yield returns, how are they calculated? And again, a little bit like our decision or discussion around retirement, you want to stress test those uh, assumptions when people are presenting, you know, investing opportunities to you. The fourth dumb decision, common dumb decision made by really smart people is supporting family to fuel their lifestyle. Now, this again is a completely left of field kind of example, but um, essentially a lot of us have got to where we are through sheer hard work and grit. And often the story that we say to ourselves is we don't want our children to suffer the way that we did. So, we go out there and we take away some of those hurdles like And it it starts young. It can be buying them the iPad, the phone, the first car, you know, the list goes on and on. And and certainly I have a lot of friends with whom, you know, they tell me that they want to buy, for example, the first car for their child because they don't want to see them suffer. And I guess the position that I would advocate is if you do not orchestrate struggle for your child, you will rob them of the ability to learn about financial literacy and management. I'm not saying you don't help them, but you certainly don't fuel their lifestyle. One of the things that I'm hearing more and more from a lot of the ultra high net worth friends that I have who are really smart around money is they want their children to understand the mechanics of money and that they will help them with things like educate. In fact, they're super specific about what they will and won't help them with. They would help with medical, they will help with education, they will help with financial literacy, they will help them with investing, but they won't just give them money to fuel their lifestyle. And I think that's becoming a common trend amongst people who see the Paris Hiltons of the world, forgive me Paris if you're listening to this, from doing absolutely nothing. So, that's another one that I think if you haven't thought about it already is worth thinking about. Number five, putting your faith in the wrong people. Um, So, I've already touched on this a little, but you know, one of the things that I think happens if your financial literacy is not high is that if someone throws a few numbers at you or uses jargon to make you feel stupid, you immediately assume that they know a whole lot more than you. What I really want to emphasize is building wealth is not rocket science. If someone is trying to guide you or if someone is trying to, you know, entice you to make an investment decision and you don't understand it, red flag like total red flag. Do not allow people to use jargon with you in order to kind of bamboozle you into making an investment decision. So, putting your faith in the right people is about making sure that you know, like, and trust, that you're confident about their experience and competence, and then finally, that they express opportunities and hurdles to you in language that you understand. Super, super important. Number six is glossing over the investment details. So, one of the things I've witnessed many times is you go to a seminar or some kind of hosted evening where people will lay out the red carpet and talk to you about a specific investing opportunity. There might even be some rah-rah in there and some, you know, shaming if you're seen to not be on board with whatever they're presenting. There can be glossy brochures. It can be a super professional presentation. They can throw data at you. They can make it seem very facts and figures. But what often happens is, again, if you're less experienced or if you're just not into the detail, you can gloss over investment details. And certainly, 
I've talked about this in recent podcasts where a lot of people ran to put money with someone like Bernie Madoff and he refused to give them any investing details. And his attitude was, well, if you're, if you're going to get into the weeds about this stuff, then you're not a fit for us. And then people would beg to put their money in. One of the things I, I can't stress enough is make sure you understand every aspect of the investment to satisfy yourself that you are stacking the odds in your favor. Really, really important. And then the final number seven, uh, dumb decisions made by smart people is upgrading your lifestyle before you can afford it. So to some degree, this is kind Kind of linked to the first point that I made, which is spending money you don't have on things you don't need to impress people you don't like. But, you know, this is really kind of can happen at every stage of, of life. There are often people who are in a really strong financial position, um, a little bit like the case study I shared with you earlier, who make decisions that end up in a situation where they just compromise everything. They, they take risks with capital to achieve returns that they don't really need, but just they think it will look good or like, you know, sounds great. Or they make investing decisions around lifestyle because the attitude is, well, what if not now, then when? And they can't actually afford those decisions. So look, I think where I want to leave this episode is I think it's really easy to look at the decisions of others and think that those things will never actually happen to you because you're not that dumb. But even in my own journey, and I'm the first person to put my hand up and say, I have made many big, dumb financial decisions that were driven by greed or fear and that ultimately set me back several years. So, the flip side of that is, of course, that sometimes people make dumb financial decisions on purpose because it makes sense to them, even if it doesn't make sense to you. So, you know, for example, uh, one of the decisions I see people often make is they say that they desperately want to build wealth and then they go out and cripple themselves with a car lease for a car that looks really great, but massively drains cash flow. So, the questions that I want to leave you with and that I encourage you to sit down over a cup of tea and answer this with your partner or your family is number one, where have you seen or where have you made a dumb financial decision? And number two, what checks and balances do you have in place for yourself so that you can minimize dumb decisions in the future? And again, this goes back to your non-negotiables, your investing rules. And I know that this is really kind of getting into new territory here, but even having rules about what you can and can't spend in terms of lifestyle so that you never accidentally find yourself being one of those smart people who makes one dumb decision and unravels the whole pie. Anyway, guys, really great hanging out with you again today. Thank you so much for tuning in and look forward to catching up with you soon. Take care. You've been listening to the Alternative Investing Podcast. If you're feeling frustrated that despite doing everything right in the property investing playbook and you're no closer to financial freedom, then head on over to inkosiwealth.com to learn more about how you can use alternative investments to catapult your investing income and blend strategies to shave decades off your timeline to financial freedom. See you on the next episode.